Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe and I'm Georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood you know the real conversations tips and tricks products we love and brands we can't live without let's get into it so welcome to Friday's episode of the podcast um I think it's safe to say that this is a a subject that both Georgia and I feel really passionately about and we've had discussions endless discussions about the fact that we think that this should be taught in school that actually it would really arm us in later life if we had a clue about our finances you know even being taught you know about money (laughs) how to make it but how to kind of you know learn about the actual currency is just something that wasn't part of Georgia and I's schooling Mm -hmm. so we're really excited uh, to get an expert in the field on the podcast today wealth expert always free podcast host, professional investor and trader. Uh, please welcome Jason Greystone. I can, I can hear the round of applause. Yay! It's so weird because even when Zoe was doing <laughs> that introduction, I already had that dread feeling. You know, when my husband, like, I don't know if Doz does this, but he's like, mm, I think we need to have a meeting about finances. And I get that like, oh God, I just know. Oh no. <laughs> you go, la, 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 and la, la, la. And I got that. And I thought, this is exactly why we have to do this podcast because we have to get people talking and being open about what they do, what they don't do. Because it's this real, like, it's almost a secret, isn't it? Like everyone's really secretive about finances. What if they invest, if they don't invest, what, you know, all that stuff. So thank you for coming on. Well, the, the, the fact that you said, like, we have to arrange a, a, a one-off meeting to talk about it, right? It, that that in itself is a problem, right? Why mm. aren't we just talking about it in every day? Like, why does it get to the point mm. where it's like, we need a meeting? Like, it shouldn't shouldn't be that way, right? Yeah. It's, it's such a taboo. Why, why do you think, why are people so secretive about, I, I guess, firstly, what they're spending, how much they're earning? And, and it seems in, in couples, in, you know, in, in marriages and stuff that sex and money is kind of off the table. It's two, two yeah. topics that we find really difficult to discuss with our partners historically. Yeah. Isn't it strange? I, I, I think that, yeah, it's one of the biggest taboos. And you, you, I've even heard people say that you shouldn't talk about money. You shouldn't ask people what they earn. You shouldn't, you know, talk about sex and all this kind of stuff. And, um, why you know that, that that's a real problem in itself because the way that i view money it isn't really about like shoving it in someone's face as a as a i've done better than you it's really something that needs to be openly discussed so that everyone can see what opportunities there are see what uh, you know what other people are doing that's working and how you can provide a service at a more efficient you know a more efficient way perhaps mm. um how people are spending their money so that you can see trends and you know opportunities in the marketplace or even just day to day like 
this is what I earn. This is my thoughts around money. Because the quicker we can start having open conversations about that, the quicker we can iron out all those demons and kind of negative perceptions mm. towards money. Because the way the way I look at it is it's just survival. Like money was created for no other reason than a, a medium for barter, fair exchange, right? Mm. So there was one point in time where we just didn't have money and it would be a eye for an eye. But the yeah. problem with that is, is, you know, let's just say that I'm a, <laughs> let's just say that I can, um, you know, I, I rip my shirt and someone spent, they've gone out of their way and they've learned how to be a good seamstress or they've, they, mm. they, they're a dab hand with a thread and needle. I can go to them and say, look, will you fix up my shirt? And I've trained for years performing open heart surgery. So when your mum gets ill or your dad gets ill, I can go and save their life, right? There, there's like, it's not really fair. Because the time it's taken me to learn that heart surgery and perform that isn't relative to stitching a, a couple of threads through a shirt. So they have. Well, you to say be that, away. Jason, but sewing is You're really, I really funny. Really 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 yeah. I haven't mastered either of those skills. <laughs> uh, no, no, I know what no. you're saying. It is really important, but the, the thing is, we need it away because there's always going to be people that are willing to work harder for than others, right? There's a, there's mm. always people. Some people just want to sit back and accept what they can take. And then there's other people that go out of their way to learn things and serve people. So there has to be this fair currency monitor of that. Yeah. yeah. There has to be a, yeah. So so when you think about it that way, money is the fairest thing that there is. It's, it's, it's basically saying, here's this money that we're going to dump into circulation and everyone's got their chance to earn as much of it as they like or take as much of it as they like, right? By serving mm. other people. You know, I see money as just survival. So you need mm. to pay for things to make you live which are food, shelter, water, and maybe some pharmaceuticals, some you know cleaning products to fight disease and things like that. Um, and that all costs money. So the more money you've got is just your peace of mind on survival and how long you can survive into the future. So that's, that's kind of how I, how I view money. So when you take that and you go into, if you see the family as a unit, Another taboo or another thing that isn't brought to the table enough is the fair exchange in that unit. In, yeah. So what is each member of that, not in terms of money, but in terms of value to that unit or yeah. partnership, if you don't have kids, you know, who's bringing what? And then what is that worth in terms of, uh, you know, money, if you like? So I don't think enough people get together as a partnership and say, and and this is important to do this both ways for both people because one, you see it in divorces all the time where they say, well, I bought all the money. It's my money, right? Well, it's actually yeah. not your money. It's not your mm. money because uh, this, uh, the other partner has done, looked after the kids and done the cleaning and done the housework and all the thing, right? So if you costed that up, um, how much would it cost to delegate that to someone else because that's actually the monetary value that that person has brought to the unit. And I don't think people sit down and appreciate that. So that's that's number one. And then number two is like, if you did do that, the person who is providing that non-monetary thing that's not kind of tangible, they would feel more worthy and valuable and equal 
if they un- if they knew if they were appreciated for that and they knew that that was what it was worth so then they could see the discrepancy in the monetary side yeah that's interesting and it would help with the whole empowerment around the unit if that yeah. makes sense yeah that does make sense it's an interesting point yeah. no 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 it's an interesting point yeah and i think actually because we obviously put the question box up for our you know followers to write in and, and ask questions there, mm-hmm. there is quite a lot about how you know dividing up income in a house and and i again like it's another subject that i don't think people necessarily talk about within their friendship groups is the divide of money in a house and how it works and all of that kind of stuff. So should we get into the questions? Yeah, let's, ki- let's kick off. there's yeah, been let's so kick off. many. So there's a lot of questions actually on savings. So maybe yeah. we'll just start there. So someone's put best way to save. Someone else has put ways to prioritize saving. Yeah. So I think there is a lot of questions around saving. And I think saving as a whole, um, I think there's there's steps to to saving and, and my guidelines in how to save. The first, the first step would be to go through so it starts with going through what you're currently spending all of your expenses and everything right so uh, the way that I'd do that is I'd go through your bank statements and all of your outgoings for the last 12 months and um, I would be looking for a couple of things one is hot spots which is things that you didn't realize was so much money right so it's like oh bloody hell we paid the gardener you know 500 quid or you know I'm paying Costa coffee 90 pounds a month and, and you'll you'll find those right so it's like hot spots like that and also take note of any debts you know debt payments uh and then you're looking to see what you can renegotiate or delete or get rid of uh completely or what you can reduce so that's that's the priority when you do that process you're going to find that you've actually you can actually save quite a you know save quite a bit of money of what you're spending uh i, I think everyone to a degree can, because I think a lot of people do live above their means. Mm. Um, so let's just say you, you save the cost of coffee or you don't, instead of going out for a meal once a week, you do it once a fortnight, you know, that might be a hundred quid saved a month and so on and so on. And it, all those marginal little savings will add up to something. And then the key is to say, right, okay, well, all these hotspots that I've identified how can I get rid of those? You know, can I get rid of those? Can I reduce them? Can I negotiate them? And then the debts, you know, if you're in a, if you've got high interest debts, paying that down is a priority. So I'm just assuming that everyone's kind of paid down high, uh, above 9.9% APR debts, I would say is, is high. Yeah. Get all them paid down. When you, when then you want to pretend you're still spending that money. So you want to pretend you're still spending the money on debts. You're still spending the money on the cost and all that. But instead, put it into a little account that's that's saving. Save as much as you as you can. That's called like paying yourself first rather than giving it to to Costa and Starbucks and all the rest of it. So I would start there, and uh, I would save as 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 much as you can. At least you know, ideally ten percent. People say ten percent is a good starting point, but that's relative to what you're earning, obviously. And the habit is more important than the amount. So just if you can save a pound, start saving a pound and do it regularly and automate it so that it's you remove emotion from it. Okay. And once you've got that habit, every three months or six months, try and increase it a little bit. So try and notch it up by a a, a little 10%. So if you started at a pound, you know, uh, then it will be 11, you know, 11 pound and then it will be you know and so on and so on and so on every three to six months so that you've got the habit and you're you're starting to increase it and you're putting a little pinch on your lifestyle demands Mm -hmm. and paying yourself a bit more 
uh, and you, and you, and you never touch it. Right. That's, that's the first step. The, the, the first milestone is to get so that you've got three to six months living costs saved in the bank. Um, and this is a, this is a bit that's skipped by a lot of people and it's, it stops them from going beyond that and building wealth. And the reason being is because they're still in this kind of animal mode where they're like, well, I've got this much money saved. How can I make that grow as quickly as possible? How can I then dump that into Bitcoin and all that? Right. And, and that doesn't ever work out well. Um, whereas if you had three to six months living costs in the bank, there's an immediate return on investment from doing that. And I, I, I witnessed this with a, a builder who I know who had done some work on someone's house and he was skint. He had no money in the bank. Right. And someone, he had just done a big job and they, they, they snagged his work and they said, look, um, we'll pay you the rest of the invoice, what you're owed. We just want you to come and sort these snags out. He was aggressive. He was like, he went around, well, what's wrong with my work? You know, he had, he had that animal mindset yeah. and he was like, I need to be paid this money. He ended up falling out with them. You know, they got someone else in, they didn't pay him, certainly didn't recommend him. Whereas if he had three months living costs in the bank at that phone call, it would be a completely different conversation. It yeah. would be, no worries. I'm going to come around. I want to make sure we've got a long-term relationship. I'll make sure it's just right for you. Go around there, get it done. You know, they'll get recommended to their neighbors and their neighbors will recommend and then they rate. So it's not so hand to mouth. What you're saying, it's not so hand to mouth. You're not, you're not getting to the end of the month. Like, you know, in an, in an absolute diabolical state, you're, you're putting away tiny bits, those hotspots that you're talking about so that you can be in a different position, you know, by the 28th of each month. Yeah. You've got a different mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, by by seeing money as time. So how much time can you buy into the future? If that's your priority, then all of a sudden you realize what power that has. Because if I had three months to before the crap hit the fan, I would I would be in a much more calm and poised yeah, mindset okay. in situations where people were like they miss opportunity, you know, they can't so to kind of summarize, go through your bank statement, see what you can save, be real with yourself, and then start saving it. And then try to get to a milestone where you've got three months in the bank. Like how much, however much your living costs are, and I'm not talking about like the, the Domino's pizza and all that. I'm talking about like your food, shelter, water. Yeah. Add that up. Try and get three months saved. Leave it in the bank. Don't try and put it in the market or put it in Bitcoin or anything like that. Literally just put it in the bank and leave it high interest account or something like that what do we think about ices you have to have three grand to put in in an ISA account don't you and then it's sort of is that right yeah ices are great you know the, the, the problem what i find with save people who ask about saving is isn't necessarily the products available it's their ability to actually do it so so yeah. you know most people haven't got 1500 pounds in their bank mm -hmm. in the uk and that, that's the majority of people in the UK. They haven't got £1,500 in their bank. So yeah. if you just save in anything, you're going to be better off. And, yeah. and what the risk is, is you just get to, you've got the money at the end of it. There's no mm -hmm. risk. There's no risk to saving. I think why people don't do it is because they're constantly on this search to try and get more for their money quickly. Whereas if you just, you know, get a foundation and start then you'll start seeing new opportunities then you'll start like yeah you know you have the headspace to look and learn new things you mm -hmm. can't learn about new investment opportunities when you're trying to pay your bills it, it you can't it, it, it's really hard to do that yeah okay. so ices are great 
Um, again, the, the structure that I gave just now about yep. saving, it's relative yeah, whether you're doing good. that for your kid or whether you're doing it for you. And I'd also, if, depending on the age of the the, the kids, um, start having a conversation about money to them. It's not a taboo. Just say, look, this is this is how, uh, you know, this is how I recommend you save. Yeah. 10%. When I, when I, with my kids, I used to take 10% and say, look, we have to save 10% of the pocket money and put it here put because it this will grow to this. Because we, I think... I think we have got ices for the kids, but we've got, is it called Hargreaves Lansdowne? Is that a thing? Mm-hmm. They've yeah, got, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this is how That's a thing, it, George. Yeah. So they have stocks, stocks, I think on there. And Axel now looks at them, but now he's gone as far as in the morning, he says to Alexa, Alexa, how's the stock market today? <laughs> He's seven, by the He's way, seven. Jason. Yeah. And oh, my right. parents cool. heard yeah. this for the first That's time cool. and they were like, what? And I was like, do you know what that means? And he was like, well, that means if the stock market is doing well, that means I'm making more money. And I was like, right, okay, cool. Like maybe that's the level of understanding. But I mm. definitely didn't know what the stock market was until I was probably about 25. Like mm. I, I just don't right. think I knew. So I guess having that yeah like having the conversations and just even just knowing what that is is good for it's a good thing i guess yeah it's a yeah. great thing it's a great thing whether Absolutely. even if you're not doing it for them just talking about it to them so they even know what yeah. it is like it having is awareness like, of money is something mm. that our generation george just didn't have didn't, i mean jason not. i'm not sure how old you are but i'm 41 and with the conversations yeah, we just didn't have them. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't because we no. money was taboo. It was just not part of our upbringing. I just had mm, no absolutely. concept of it. You know, I remember my dad saying to me when I was sort of 21 years old, you know, you've just been given a lump sum from a show, TV show that I did. You should probably invest it. And I was like, nah, probably not. I'm just going to buy some shoes and just have some really great times yeah. in London and just whatever. And it's like, yeah. because I didn't understand the concept mm. of either saving, investing, or actually what my financial outlook could be like i don't know it just wasn't part i feel like i was sort of let down in that area a little bit actually Mm. it's the same as my upbringing and there are a lot of questions about kids and i think this is an important topic but but you know quick story i grew up on a on a council estate in south london it was just me and my mom and then my stepdad joined when i was like five and uh and everyone on that estate was just miserable about money they they Mm. there was no one to look up to around money we used to on a friday night always just sit around the, the steps at the foot of our block and everyone would talk about how bad money is evil you know rich people are greedy and all that kind of stuff and then this guy called roy used to come and take everyone's money and do a syndicate lottery and for the next half hour they would just be their faces would light up about how amazing their life would be if they won and i remember thinking you know i was 13 years old and i remember thinking this is weird like i didn't mm. know i didn't have it all sussed out at all but i remember thinking they've just said money's horrible why and now is it like amazing and um and that summer I, I I wanted a BMX and my dad my stepdad was like look we can't afford the BMX you raise half and we'll pay the other half so I started washing these cars and on the first day I washed one car and I got five pound plus two pound tip and that night I told my friend about it and my dad come in my uh, room and he said I'm going down the shop do you want anything and I gave all of the money that I'd earned him to to him to get another bucket and sponge and the next day we washed four cars because my friend could help and then I had four friends within four weeks and that moment was like it was like I discovered fire because it was like this is why people are miserable around money because they don't know how to use it because all I was doing was knocking on the doors and collecting the money and making the sales I wasn't even washing cars so I thought 
Wow. This is a turning point. You know, money can actually provide you opportunities and allow you to focus on more of the things that you love and mm. do less of the things that you hate. And I realized that when I was 14 years old. It's so and interesting. I think, you know, even just getting your kids to, to provide services for people is a great, a great uh, activity. And I completely and agree with you. Mm. And I, I just think I this is my one well I've got quite a lot of concerns but the one of the big things is that they don't they will not have because we do everything for them you know even just like my big one who's 10 just sits there and be like can you go downstairs and get breakfast out for the and then she's just and I'm mm. like you need to be you need you, I'm gonna in the next couple of years you can you, you're gonna be out earning you're gonna have to go out and earn some money because I'm just gonna keep giving it to you but they're they they, they don't seem to want to even at this early age, to do anything for themselves. Mm. Not really. No, Not my kids anyway. There's a great saying, uh, you've probably heard it, but it's like good times creates weak people and weak people creates tough times and tough times create strong people and strong people create good times. And it's this cycle of like, you know, everyone's got everything on a plate, so they're just going to become these kind of things that people that expect stuff yeah. and everything goes to crap until someone says, look, we need to buck our ideas up here you know and take lead and mm. and, then, and then it just kind of goes around in this cycle so me coming from like nothing literally uh I now don't want that for my kids so it's been a real balancing yeah. act yes. trying to get them to value money and value not have instant gratification and that's yes. a challenge that I've got like that, oh that's my God. just yeah. the way it goes oh don't yeah. that is God. yeah that yeah. is a complete another whole can of worms like I <laughs> It is. We'll be right back after this short break. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? There's a lot of stuff, um, like there's been a lot of questions about dividing money in the family. So someone's put, husband is reluctant to put all our money together. I earn less, but we still go 50-50. Someone else has said, my husband earns quadruple to me. How should we organize bills and spare money? Then someone else has put, I'm the breadwinner of the family. Like, I'm currently on maternity leave. What should I do? All of that stuff. Yeah. Interesting what they say about 50-50, this whole couple's financing. let's just take that that one thing right so it's we i he works uh and she does 50 50 but she still does the house stuff maybe i'm not i'm just like based on you know my situation maybe his half is literally what he's earned at a job to get that money her half is her job plus she's doing all the other stuff so you could argue that she's not 
doing 50-50. She's doing much more. But mm. people don't take the time to like put a price on everything they're bringing to the, the partnership. Such a good so, point. Right. So that is how I believe everything should be divided because everyone just wants to feel empowered in their life and meaningful so that they're, they're helping people, right? So if you take a partnership, Yes. Okay. Let's just say I go out and I earn a thousand pounds per month just to keep the maths really simple. And I give that thousand pounds to the, to the house. And it's like, I give you everything. I do everything for you. Well, that's, that's not true. Right. Because if I didn't have that person and I believe that we meet a mate or a partner who we can delegate things to that we're weak in and they find us and yep. they delegate the things that they're weak in. So we make a great partnership. Mm -hmm. Right. So so we're together for that, for that longer term kind of growth. Um, but if they're, if I didn't have that person, I would still have to eat and cook and clean and take the kids to school maybe and do the nannying and the, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, what would that cost? When you realize what that costs, let's, say, let's just say that costs, let's just say it costs 500 pounds a month, right? Well, then that 500 contribution to the partnership, you're now only worth 500 not a thousand mm. so now there's a discrepancy of 500 which could be discussed as a you know it's sentimental to me uh, it's sentimentally important that you pick the kids up from school i don't want to delegate it to a, a nanny so that's important so i you know i value that a bit more so you know and and just having that conversation and being aware of that will mo make both partners it will bring one down and bring one up and kind of level you out a little bit and if there is a major major discrepancy well then you know that's up to the person to then say no i i need to pull my weight a little bit more i need to go and do fill that void a little bit more i really do have a big hang up about people putting so much focus on money within mm. the relationship. There's so much resentment around it. There's so much secrecy yeah. around it. It can be quite a toxic thing. Mm. You know, yeah. if, like you said, if you are the person, whichever sex you are, that is staying at home and, you know, being there for the kids, for the drop-ups, for the pickups, you know, for X, Y, and Z, you are contributing so much to that partnership. So therefore, why is it like, oh, I'm going to give you money and I have to ask you for money to give to... Why Why do we have such hang-up around yeah. it when we're in, an, in a relationship and a marriage that's supposed to be equal regardless of whether you're heading off to the city every single day and sitting in your big spinny spinny chair like it does yeah. I just yeah I, I I think so and I also think as well like you know you're talking about well you know a nanny would cost this much so that's your value and you know cooking costs but you know like say you've got a couple where one earns so much more than the other okay how like how can you live the same life do you know what I mean? If like you've got one person, like I've got a friend who whose husband, she met him when she was very young. He was a, a lot older and earned so much more, okay? And he could go off on his lunch break, you know, working and buy himself a Louis Vuitton bag and they're living in the same house and they've got children together and he could go off and, you know, fly to LA business class at the drop of a hat and she couldn't even afford to buy a coffee with her friends and you know what I, yeah like that's what I mean and I think when it's on the number and the figure like surely if you're with somebody and it, there's that much of yeah. a divide there has to be something so you're living the same life and you've got so this, are you saying that he didn't give not give her but they didn't have a joint account that she could there go was, off yeah, and do there was but it wasn't 
relative like it it wasn't yeah, okay, enough I get what you're saying. so that they were, it was, if you looked at it, like how much would, a, you know, how much would it cost to cover childcare and how much would it, it was enough for that. But it just meant that their lives were completely off Polar kilter. Opposite. Like yeah. completely, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yet they're living in the same house and they're a family unit and yet one, you know. Oh, I find that really hard. That is yeah. hard. Do you know what I mean? And there's people, you know, sending questions in who are like, you know, I earn quadruple what my other half earns I, and I don't know how, you know, how are we supposed to navigate this? Yeah. It, it all comes down to the value of what you perceive the relationship's worth, I guess. And then mm. it's having that conversation to say, even like a joint joint thing, right? Where yeah. you say, right, okay, well, this is this is how much that would be worth. Mm. and pay that pay that into an account like literally pay that into an account for them and then they see tangibly what that is worth and i know that's a tough conversation but it's only a tough conversation because we've been told not to talk about money it's mm. nothing other than yeah look we both want to feel empowered here we don't want to feel like they're under you know the underdog um we, we both want to be empowered around finances and stuff so how can we make that work well this is what it would cost. This is what you bring. This is what I bring. This is the yeah. the divide. Anything more than that is this person's because they earn substantially more maybe, but you've still got a relative portion to live the life that you want and what's important to you. So, I mean, I mean just having that conversation, that yeah. would probably remove a lot of toxicity, I believe. Yeah. Or you realize, actually, this person's a dick you know mm. i don't want to be with this person <laughs> honestly it will it will there's a couple of questions around um and actually i just got the fear as we were talking around because i don't have a pension uh, and i'm self-employed pensions for self-employed parents i haven't even thought about that like what happens in later life for us i know well yeah i mean pensions are great i i, I for I, I purely personally use them as a as a tax advantage um, or a tax benefit, if you like. So you can pay, if you're self-employed or you've got your own business, you can pay up to 40000 per year into a pension, uh, which would be a, a tax benefit. So um, that's great. But personally, I'm from the mindset of, of controlling your own destiny with money. So I've got various investment strategies that would outperform, uh, for me, not financial advice, uh, a pension uh, of sorts. So although there is a tax benefit to a pension, for me personally, I'm much more of the opinion that you you buy the market, the stock market, right? So it's like buy the market, and then I've got a series of uh, strategies that will that will allow you to um, earn your right to higher degrees of risk. So the returns get higher, but you're not risking the foundations of that of because the, that's the, all yeah. in kind of low risk. So. Uh, you know, things like just understanding, like if someone said, oh, should I buy Apple, for instance, um, I don't recommend you just go and buy one company because then you've got all your eggs in one basket. However, there are ways that you can buy every company of which you're diversified between all different sectors, all different companies. Um, and of course, that's a lower return, but a very, very safe investment, right? And then once you've got some savings in that or some money working in that, then you can start picking individual stocks and you go for large cap first which are the safest and then once you've got that then you can do some medium cap then you can look at um truck like real estate investment trusts and etfs and things like that so there's all these kind of pieces of this investment portfolio that you can build to rapidly accelerate any any pension that's on the market um, and how do you go because you know you're obviously talking about this like it's 
you know, easy to do. Not easy to do, yeah, but you know, like know you're, you're saying say, it. But is there like somewhere you can go where, I mean, there's probably loads of financial advisors flying around the place. And how do you know who to trust? Like, like, like who, who, how do you find somebody where you can be like, right, I'm going to take your advice? Yeah. yeah. Well, that is a very valid question because I'll give you an example. My financial advisor and my accountant at the time when I was running a business, um, they were telling me to do safer things than I was doing. And I say safer, I'm, I'm not talking about like, you know, gambling the house. I'm talking about things that are relatively straightforward to do. And I know you say it's, it, it sounds easy. A lot of it is very, very simple. Um, but people think it's risky and think it's gambling and all that. But a lot of it is, you know, unless you're speculating at the highest level um, on a poker table, a lot of mm. it isn't gambling, right? So mm -hmm. I went the other way and I said, well, this is my strategy. And both of those guys and a lot of financial advisors will tell you to ride it out, you know, just don't worry. It'll be back to break even soon, you know, and, and that's poor advice in my opinion, although it's maybe catered for the masses who need that stability and safe play. Uh, I just didn't play that. And both of my accountant and my financial advisor watched me walk out of that job and, and literally retire um, and become financially free whilst they today they're still doing that same job. And that does say a lot to you about the difference between financial advice and wealth building. Wealth building to me is about freedom uh, and, and being able to do what you want when you want and being able to pay for the lifestyle and experiences that you want um, for you and your family with, with that choice. Financial advice is maybe how to get the best returns on yeah, I know what you're your saying money here. for a short yeah. period of time, or maybe, maybe a very long period of time, which is uninspiring and probably going to end up resentful or blowing it all on a souped up car when you have a midlife crisis, because you realize, actually, <laughs> I've been told to do this, like save 10% of your income, right? You save 10% of your income, after 40 years, you'll have four years income. You know, that's not really a complete strategy. I can't retire with four years income. And and I, I started questioning those types of things. And I think that's um, that's not what people, you know, a lot of people don't question it. And they just take the advice from the financial advisor or their parents or whatever. And they become re very resentful later on down the line. It's like quick fix or instant you know, it's like instant happiness rather than long-term fulfillment. That's how they see it. It's like, you know, this yeah. is the best advice that I can give you right now that might see you a bit of return. But actually, are we looking at the bigger picture here? How can we put all those building blocks together so that we start building yeah. your wealth in, in, incrementally, mm -hmm. but it's in a safe space because we've got kids to think about as well. So I think you have to look at it. This is what I've done with my finances as a long-term game, same as a career, right? It's like you just have you to do, keep right? chipping and, away. And yeah. Pension's another one. You mentioned a pension. Like the average pension pot when I checked uh, last was about between 87 and 120 grand um, at retirement age. If you look up the average life expectancy of men and women in the UK, it's between 75 and 77. So 77 being women, they live longer um, because men do stupid stuff, but they're, they're 75, <laughs> 77. Um, so if you retire at 65, at the longest, you've got like 12 years to make 87 to 120 grand last those 12 years, right? So that works out to about 600 to a thousand pound a month. And then you've got to hope you die <laughs> because then you become a burden on people and you've you got more life at the end of your money than money at the end of your life. And, George is uh, freaking just, out. I can see it in her face. Just by doing those numbers, you know, people don't do those numbers. 
and it's like, oh yeah, I'll do it tomorrow, do it tomorrow, do it tomorrow. You've got 12 years to make this money last. Uh, how yeah. much have you got in that pension pot? How much is that? So this is, I guess, on the, not the flip side of, of that, talking about long term, but I guess it's, there's, there's part of it that's also like enjoying your life now, isn't there? Even if you, you know, for instance, we just Absolutely. moved house, moving house is probably not the right thing to do right now because the mortgage rates are really high, but we just thought, well, our kids are only this age for this long. They're only going to enjoy having a bit, you know, a garden for this many years. If we don't do it now and we wait three years, well, there would have been no point. So like there's that living thing. And someone has literally wrote in here, like is booking a holiday on a credit card a bad idea? We haven't had one since having kids, which is six years. So does there come a point where you just think, don't make it's not a sensible decision and we need to have a holiday (laughs) it's a good question actually yeah you know this is my favorite topic uh and i believe that the the reason that people don't become financially free is this is because they don't like what they're doing right now so they're constantly on this escape to try and escape it like this escape plan to get to this place right and in doing that they make stupid decisions Right. So whenever you're escaping your life, it means that you're not on purpose. You're not on track. You're not doing what you're meant to be doing. So imagine if everyone just started going into a job or doing a service of some sort that they actually love. Right. That would be the first step. That would be what I would teach everyone if I had to start from scratch. And then I would say either how can you monetize it or how can you get with someone who appreciates what you're doing, who can fund your lifestyle if, if or whatever um and then how can you make it more passive and more uh timeless so that you can do it from anywhere so uh, if you've got a job that you love that's the hardest bit because most people hate their job second thing is how can i free up my t- how can i do this from anywhere in the world or how can i do it from more places than this cellular office or this home and then how can I make it more, take less of my time? So I'll give you an example of, of where that really, you know, where we saw that, the power of that. And that was in COVID. Everyone was forced to work from home, right? Or most people. So everyone was living financially free. They were doing their job, but they were choosing what order they did it in every day. There was no keeping up with the Joneses and showing off to people. So they rationalized their living expenses and they were getting passive income in the form of furlough checks or they were getting some kind of check right and uh and that is like they tasted financial freedom and a lot of people at that point realized that they felt freer even though they were locked in their homes because they'd realized they could work and do what they'd been showing up to a job to do from anywhere and the feeling of mobility is going to give you more freedom than more money and a lot of people said i'd rather have less money and have more time doing this mm. than, mm. than right and so on so if you could just figure out what you like doing and get into something that you enjoy doing that you're meant to be doing and then monetize that and then realize how you can do it from more places, make it more mobile and then how you can spend less time doing it. And that is a long, you know, that's a, that's a process. That's, that's work that you have to put in to do that. But that is a much more exciting life and fulfilled life because you are financially free. You're, you're doing what you would, you know, you're doing what you would do anyway if you weren't being paid, in theory, if you're doing mm. something you love doing. So if you're going to do something for the rest of your life anyway, why not get paid for it and then and then structure it in a way where you can just have free time and choice in your yeah, life? Yeah, and I also think since COVID, Jason, just to jump in, that I think it's been 
it's much more acceptable now for us to turn around to our employers and say, you know what, I proved I could do it then, but now I want to be spending X amount of weeks a year doing it from this location or, you know, I'll still get my work done, but I'm not going to be in the office five days a week. It's going to be three and the mm, rest absolutely. of the time I'm going to be able to do the pickups and drop-offs, which yeah. is why my, myself and Georgia launched Made by Mama's Careers Mama's because careers, we yeah. want to give, exactly. pe- you know, mums and dads the, the flexibility of being able to do what they love, but not having to be chained to the office desk. Mm. If, if anyone's read Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, yeah, the interesting. whole book is like the whole book, half of the book is about him persuading his boss he could work from home. Mm. And then the second half of the book is how can I delegate everything to give me more time? So it's that exact principle. It's like, how can I become mobile from this office? And then how can I do less, like spend less time doing it? Mm. And COVID solved half of that book for us. So now you've just got to figure out how you can delegate and do more of the things that you love um, and less of the things you hate. Jason, I feel like that's quite a nice point to, to stop the podcast it, i feel like sure. we've covered all of the topics so really much, today so no yeah. we've got so much more to discuss and um and it's so interesting such a i don't know about you george but i feel like we just had a little insight into how to build on what we know already yeah. but these podcasts are so important i feel there's a lot of people out there that are sort of you know rummaging through life not really having those big chats so hopefully today we've we've brought you a little insight into that that yeah, topic that's so taboo do. and when it's yeah. not taboo anymore it's not it's not we're all going to be talking about it <laughs> <laughs> jason yeah. thanks oh, a thanks, million for jason. coming on <laughs> no worries thanks for having me i mean i would say that is inspiring and petrifying <laughs> bit scary bit scary e- equal measures <laughs> <laughs> financial freedom is something that we should talk about much more and I think that's you know uh, it was great to get Jason on because I think it's like you said very inspiring it's it's definitely encouraging to hear him speak like that that it's yeah. I always think oh, I've left it too late yeah. yeah I'm 41 I should have, have these things in place you know the fact that I don't have a pension mm. you know I've just bought my first house two years ago at the age of 39 I hadn't done it before then so I kind mm. of look at this house and think well that's my investment for the future but mm. it's it's like is it going to be enough and should I have stuff tucked away for the kids and how much am I talking to them about finances you know I, I always wang on to them that you know money doesn't grow on trees and they have to do their chores to get their pocket money and stuff and I, I just obviously they don't understand it so I need yeah. to be having less of the snappy conversation conversations that they've lost something and it costs so much money and give them more of a, a basic understanding of what money is yeah. and how much things are worth. Exactly. And I, I just think I will take away from it. It's the mindset thing of like shifting the way you yeah. think about making money. Like I really mm. liked that comment. And I think it's something that we've all forgotten, actually. Well, not all forgotten, but, you know, we've quickly forgotten in that it's more like money's time. So, like, is that worth, you know, is it worth your time? And also looking at, like, your whole life. And is it just about making as much money as possible? Or is it about creating a life that where you make the money, but you also have the time to do things you enjoy? Like, I like that. And especially for us, like, you know, as, as parents, like, should we maybe shift our mindset in looking you know doing a job that we enjoy so then we don't feel like we're you know bad when we're not with the kids because we're actually Mm. doing something we love and I don't know I think there's that whole mindset thing of what money is and how how we get it um that is a topic for thought I would say 100% um now we always do um products at this point in the podcast so I thought 
obviously a financial conversation let's talk about those things that we use Georgia you and I obviously use Starling we do Um, we think it's a fantastic way to bank Um, we also have used it for the kids as well we've got Starling kite cards Isla's got one of those and we work with Starling on this as well but this is a product that we absolutely love yeah it's brilliant I mean it's very similar there's other you know other brands like Go Henry and I think even maybe Santander might do a version for kids but I think in particular like what we like about the Starling one is that it's very easy to use you can see their spending you can track it they get their own card Mm. that's all very exciting for them but hopefully Mm. they then get an understanding because they can physically see where their money's going and all of that kind of stuff so yeah like I think think it's a good thing to have and you know like how we'd always do pocket money and like cash and and, you know and, and coins and having like money jars but really if you think about it when the kids are older they probably won't be any it will probably yeah. all be online won't it so oh god i definitely worth you know <laughs> getting them sort of used to using a card <laughs> because yep. it's yeah. still like tap 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 for us who who are used yeah, exactly. to spending physical cash yeah no it's great we love it we definitely and, and like georgia said there are other ones out there but the only one that we've actually used and that we rate is starling yeah so let's talk about that one um i'm going to talk about um a book actually that one of my friends has got and I've just ordered it um, for Luna it's for six to nine year olds it's from Deborah Meaden you know she's on Dragon's Den and she's got a book called Why Money Matters and it's basically a non-fiction book about money for little ones so they can kind of become their own little experts Um, I love that it's just yeah it's just a nice way of kind of introducing it and so that they can have a little flick through before bed or you know and kind of try and get their head a little bit around you know the value of money and you know why it matters I guess in the world but yeah I quite like the idea of doing it in a book form yeah that sounds really good I think I'm definitely going to have a think about how I talk about money to the kids um mm. so maybe maybe i'll be borrowing that book off of you soon <laughs> yeah you can borrow it anytime george it's here it's here for you <laughs> um thank you so much for listening to today's podcast really hope you took a lot from it and thank you as always for sending in your questions for jason um hopefully um we, we got to yours but again apologies if we didn't there were loads on this topic so definitely yeah. much to discuss and we're definitely going to do another finance q a you know more of the questions about specific ices and child benefit and like all that kind of stuff yeah. so that episode is definitely coming and um, but any feedback yeah. on this episode or anything other other topics that you'd like us to cover then please do drop us a dm we're on instagram on at made by mummers and we'll be back on tuesday made by mummers is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely charlotte mason insanity group Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.